0: The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 16th chapter. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, well, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, and still others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? and wherever you whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven then he sternly ordered the disciples not to tell anyone that he was the messiah the gospel of the lord you may be seated let us pray Our gracious and loving God, we come to you this morning um, from a busy world, from a world filled with sadness and heartaches, and we ask that you help us to feel the pulsing of your presence in our lives. Lord, some days we do feel as if uh, we don't know how to find you. Some days you seem right there, some days not so much. We pray for the power of your Holy Spirit to um, enliven our faith, enliven our awareness and our ability to find you like a GPS system so that we know indeed that you are the one who is Lord of our lives, directing our decisions and bringing us uh, love and grace and renewal. In your name we ask it. Amen. It's really important to know our identity, right? Well, it's even important for a new puppy to know their name. I'll admit, I was bragging a few years back now when we were walking our dogs, uh, Casey and Dibley, up in the Poconos on the mountain trail by our cabin. I was demonstrating to my girlfriend at the time how quickly my new five-month-old puppy was able to learn her name. I just had her one week, and uh, in three days, I boasted she had mastered this. So I said, Watch this. We were walking, the dogs were running ahead, and I said, Dibbly. I chirped her name as she walked ahead of me, and she stopped, turned her head, looked back at me. It was excellent. And then, because the other dog was running in the wrong direction, I yelled, Casey. And to the other dog, unfortunately, Dibley stopped, turned her head, and looked again. It wasn't so brilliant this time, because clearly she had not really mastered the name game. My bubble burst, but it gave us a good chuckle. Getting your identity straight really matters in Jesus' gospel today. Getting his identity straight. He questions his disciples, as you just heard, as they walk through a city loaded with Greek and Roman gods, statues of all varieties and shapes. We're going through a time in our country where we are reevaluating many of our statues in the North and in the South and the Confederacy and all the Civil War issues that are going on since Charlottesville. And we have many to consider The same was true by the Roman Emperor Caesar. He was considered the son of God. And amazing statues were built all over Caesarea Philippi, the city where Jesus has the disciples today, which was named for Caesar as well. But besides Caesar's statues and temples, there were also Syrian deities and all kinds of other deities of mythology. And so Jesus wanted to know, standing in the midst of all these statues to others who were great in their history, who do people say the Son of Man is? The responses demonstrate that people see the same things differently. Some of the people in the crowd shouted Elijah, John the Baptist, Jeremiah. Jesus understood the Jewish community hoped for a Messiah who would establish the supreme rule of Israel once again among all the nations of the world. And this victory would take place, they thought, in a violent manner. And all the current powers would be overthrown. Elijah the prophet would return to announce the coming of the Chosen One to lead this revolt And Jesus had to communicate that, no, his identity was totally different than what they were expecting. It was like nothing they'd ever seen before. So the next question he's asking his disciples is, but who do you say that I am? You who've been with me now all these many months, even years. And Peter rises to the occasion you are the Messiah, the son of the living God. And with that rock-solid endorsement, Peter is chosen to be the rock of the new church and to die as a martyr. Now the essential question for you and me today hasn't changed. Our priorities at work, uh, on vacation, in our community and neighborhoods, in our family, our Priorities need to respond to Christ's concern here. Who do you say that I am? And how, in effect, are you witnessing that in the way you choose to live your life? In a world like ours, oof, filled with negativity, fear, recessions, anger, rising racism, enter faith conflicts, and white nationalism and global warming. We need a solid anchor, a redeemer who can save us from ourselves. It's over 2,000 years now plus since Jesus came into our world, and many still have no idea who Jesus is. For instance, a former seminarian of ours uh, told me years ago in in a summer experience in hospital chaplaincy, he would visit room after room on the floor he was assigned at St. Mary's and he received various reactions from the patients to the Christian faith. One man, an avowed atheist, explained his perspective on life and redemption. He didn't want to warm up to organized religion because he says, I believe that we're all made of energy. He said that if you can project positive energy out into the world, that positive energy will come back to you. We all have the potential within ourselves to heal ourselves if we tap into it. Well, true enough in some ways, but Jesus cannot be reduced to an energy field, nor would we need him to redeem us if we could handle all of our own healing processes ourselves. Another patient had been seriously ill as well, and then, on top of that, she had been hit by a car. She required much orthopedic surgery. Where is God in all of this, she complained to the chaplain. She demanded an answer because she had lost faith rapidly due to all of her distress. The God she knew or wanted him to be was not aligning with all her tragic experiences. Now the danger for us religious types as well is that we can try and make Jesus fit our own image of how God should behave. Don't we use God at times to bolster our pet opinion of denominations or firm, um, confirm our political positions or our moral stand? Well, of course we do. And as I said, denominations can be guilty of using Jesus to buttress their own particular theological arguments. There's the right-wing conservative argument, the evangelical argument, TV prosperity gospel preachers, stalwart German Lutherans. We all present God in a little bit of a slant that favors our particular style and comfort zone. One writer refers to other gods we impose on the character of Jesus as imposters. I like that, imposters. Dan Miller, in his book, Searching for God Knows What, he confronts this abuse by saying, God is always changing the way I think of him. I'm not saying God is changing, but I think I know who he is at one time, then I figure it out, and then I don't know very much at all at the next time. One thing you notice about Jesus in the Gospels, he's always going around saying, you heard it said such and such, but I tell you something different. So if you happened to be a person who thought they knew everything about God, Jesus would have been completely annoying. If you heard Romans today, one of my favorite passages, Paul writes in the message version, so here's what you have to do. God is helping you. So take your everyday ordinary life, you're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work and walking around life and place it before God as an offering. Don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. In other words, do not conform to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your minds. One of my favorite passages. So what are we to do? Don Miller, in his own struggle, to come to know Jesus, the writer I've uh, just spoken of, reminds us again of this. The message God is trying to convey in the Gospels is not that there are a bunch of hoops we have to jump through to get saved, not a series of ideas we have to agree with either. It's an invitation, a constant invitation to know God and have a relationship with him, a living, growing, graceful relationship which includes all the complexities of wrestling with how our loved one responds or doesn't in a certain way, because God isn't one who can be managed by formulas for spirituality that we create, three easy steps to finding God, etc. God's bigger than any definition we can make. Jesus asks us personally, however, who do you say that I am. This requires a risk on our part of abdicating control, a risk of exposing to our Lord our soft, ugly underbellies of pride and fear and ego and our shortcomings, laying them open for Jesus to touch and heal them and transform them. Loving relationships can alter forever who we are and what we want to be. They involve commitment, investment, trust, and God gives us all three and then asks us to enter into this commitment with him. Yet many prefer to remain unattached, single, should we say, and aloof. And then we miss something amazing and everlasting. So, who is God? I can't give you the definition, but I can tell a story, which is what Jesus probably did most of the time when he was questioned. A pastor in California had a child in the congregation that was subject to sudden seizures. They were often violent and painful seizures, not only for the child, but for his parents. So, the father and the child would come to worship regularly and the dad would hold this child in his arms. One Sunday in the midst of worship, the child seized and writhed painfully back and forth. The father lifted him caringly and carried him to the back of the church, to the sanctuary, where he stood still and rocked the child tenderly back and forth, speaking to him calmly and gently until the seizure stopped. There was no sign of embarrassment or frustration on the father's face. Only love for his hurting child. And then the pastor said in that moment, while I was preaching, I was preached too. I heard God speak to my heart, says the pastor And God said, that's the way I love you. Through all your imperfections, I'm not embarrassed to have people know that you are my child. No matter what, I will take you always into my loving embrace. This is who God is. This is the God who invites you and me and everyone into relationship with him now and forever. So take the risk. Say yes again and again and again as we must do. For God waits every day, every minute with wide open arms to embrace us And never let us go. Amen.